This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Believe Podcast Network presents the FCS Football Podcast with Joe DeLeon. Well, let's get fat. And Sean Anderson. I am a soothsayer. Welcome back to the Believe in FCS Football Podcast, your go-to source for in-depth FCS football analysis from two former University of Rhode Island football players, breaking down the film and filling you in on everything you need to know about your school and others around the country. So I'm Joe DeLeon. I am typically joined by Sean Anderson, but it just so happens that for the first time ever, we're going to be doing a solo show today. Um, Sean this morning texted me that he was not feeling very well, and I can assure you folks he does not have coronavirus, but he does suspect that he might have uh, something else, possibly strep throat. Spoke to a doctor. He is going to be fine, but did not want to stress him in terms of making him talk for 45 minutes when he was having some issues uh, with having ability to talk. So no worries, Sean. I will take over for today, and I will carry the load for the full show, breaking down the next conference for us, the Big Sky we're getting really close to the end here. I believe we only have a few conferences left until we completely wrap up and then we transition to talking about positional breakdowns, top 10 players at every single position. And the first one we're going to do, actually, we're going to have a really interesting interview uh, with uh, Adam Tanowski, who's come on and talked about specialists before. So he'll come on and do the same thing with talking about FCS specialists and the top ones around the country. So Big Sky is the topic of conversation. Before we get into that, though, there is some pretty big news that happened this past week, so big that we 100% have to address it. Before I do hit on that, though, I do want to say I need to make a correction from last week's show. Uh, I apparently made an error where I mixed up the Independence Bowl, which is an FBS bowl that teams compete to play in and get a bid for with the Celebration Bowl. That is my mistake. Uh, somebody reached out to me and let me know that I accidentally mixed these two things up. And, you know, I will say if I ever make a mistake or if Sean ever makes a mistake, feel free to shoot either of us a DM. My DMs are always open and I typically follow most people back. So if, if there's ever any mix up, be respectful. Give us a heads up. Just say, hey, you know, you, you maybe mispronounced this. You, you messed up this number just by a little bit. I'm fully open and we're both fully open to having a conversation with our listeners. But that, you know, that being said, don't hit my DM saying, what the heck are you talking about? You don't know what you're saying. You're messing stuff up. There's 120 so teams that we have to keep track of. So sometimes it's easy to get a little bit mixed up with a lot of information going into a show. So I appreciate the person who did reach out to me and gave me a heads up on that one mistake. It means a lot that now I can go forward and, and, and correct that, that issue. The first hit of news that made its way into the spotlight over the weekend and then was officially announced at a press conference is that Robert Morris, 
A member of the NEC has announced that they are moving to the Big South. So this is the second team this offseason to announce a move, an eventual move to the Big South, NCAA and T being the other team that announced it. And this move was very unexpected, um, but also it's worth noting that it was not really football-related. So in an article I got from the Times, there's a quote from RMU's uh, vice president and also their athletic director saying that the main priority of the Horizon League strategic plan is a commitment to focus and emphasis on men's basketball. Uh, Robert Morris, vice president and athletic director Chris King said at Monday's press conference, RMU shares the same commitment with both of our basketball programs and with the move we can capitalize on the recent openings of the UPMC Event Center that allows us to elevate the profile of our basketball program. So you'd expect hearing about this move for a team that had a huge surge last season, a huge step up in terms of improvement from last season in the NEC. You would think that this move was intended to put them in a more competitive conference to help them get bigger recruits. I'm sure that did come into play, but... This move was strictly being done so they can make a transition to a different conference for basketball, a slightly bigger conference than the NEC. I'm not entirely sure how the negotiations worked with staying in the NEC for football. I'm sure they also used it as an opportunity to see it as a way out, see it as a way to find a way to move up and slide up to a much bigger, more competitive conference. Because if you recall in the past, the NEC really typically only puts out one school in uh, in the in the playoffs. So Big South, which we've talked about a lot and we already previewed them, they can put out three to four teams. They're that competitive. At the very minimal, they're going to put out two teams. So Robert Morris might struggle a little bit early on, but still they're going to get a lot of a boost in terms of recruiting. In addition to though with this news, the uh, the Colonials are expected to be considered an independent for 2020. However, uh, they will still try to play as many of their NEC opponents as they can maintain that 11 game schedule. And then 2021, they will make the transition officially to the big South as their conference for football. Other news, and we don't typically get caught up in the, in the semantics of transferring because there's a lot of guys that typically transfer up and down there were guys that were former five-star recruits that have transferred to some schools that we talked about, and we didn't really hit on that news. But this is one that we have to talk about. If you recall, we did Jabril Cox. This one is not as big, but pretty close to being as big. Kevin Thompson, Sacramento State's quarterback, announced that he is transferring from Sacramento State. And from Craig Haley on Twitter, who is the Stats FCS lead beat reporter, he said that it, it was in a likely move to find an FBS offer, a, a likely move up to seek a better opportunity to go for a bigger program. Now, Thompson was considered to be one of the higher up FCS draft prospects at the quarterback position, not as top level as Trey Lance, but he was up there with Zara Cooper, uh, Eric Berrier, to, to name some of the big guys that we've already talked about. We're going to talk about Berrier today. But this move seems to be an effort to find an opportunity to play for someone bigger on a bigger stage, maybe surround himself with some bigger weapons. And the one thing I saw on social media with this move is that there were a lot of people going back and forth in saying, 
well, Sacramento State's going to be fine. They've produced quality players. Last year it was based on the coaching staff and, and how talented their coaching staff was, was based on their success. But then some of the other arguments, though, is Thompson's so talented, even though he's leaving, he still has a lot of really good traits to focus on and, and really can carry an offense wherever he's going to be going. So even though Thompson's leaving the FCS, I have to say, at the very least, we're going to be rooting for you, Kevin, because the, even I, I still stand by this, that if you move up, you're still an FCS guy to me. I'm still rooting for Jabril Cox. I know Jabril Cox is going to be a first-round linebacker at the end of this draft cycle, and I'm hoping for Kevin Thompson that if he, despite choosing to do this really late, if he decides to move up and ends up finding that opportunity, that he will end up with a really good chance of getting drafted. I think that he's got the size. He's got a lot of the athletic ability needed to be a quarterback at the next level, but we'll be we'll be wishing you luck uh, in your search to find a new school. So... Today's show, though, we are breaking down, sorry, not we, I am breaking down the Big Sky, uh, which was one of the most competitive divisions in the FCS conferences, rather, last year. A ton of teams in this conference. And for this breakdown today, though, I would like to preface it with that I'm not going to be doing as many players as I typically do. I'm also not going to be doing player to watch, uh, sleepers and all that. I'm just going to pick who I think is the favorite to win the conference come the end, just for the sake that it's those topics are a little bit more meant to be discussion-based and so that Sean and I can talk about and bounce off of each other and kind of see what each other thinks while we're doing the show to make it a little bit of a debate because the rest of the show is more so agreeing with each other and uh, supplying analysis on various top-level players in each conference. But going back to last year's standings, Weber State was the winner of the Big Sky, 11-4, 7-1, rolling and riding off the legs of top-level running back Josh Davis. Behind them was Sacramento State, 9-4, 7-1, seeded in the playoff. Kevin Thompson now gone, but still returning some key players. Behind them, Montana, 10-3, 6-2, no longer have their quarterback, Dalton Sneed, and also Dante Olsen, is no longer uh, with the team, I believe, following graduation. However, still have a lot of really good defensive players returning, which really pepper this list of top returners. We'll get to that later on. Montana State, 11-4, 6-2. Eastern Washington had a rough start to the season, 7-5, but still 6-2 in the conference. Idaho, 5-7, 3-5. We thought at maybe some point that they would really push their way in between into the, the top half of this uh, this Big Sky Conference, but they weren't able to do so. Still have a very talented roster. And then going all the way through down to the bottom, Northern Colorado, 2-10, 2-6. Still, I just glazed over UC Davis, Northern Arizona, Cal Poly, Idaho State, and Southern Utah. So a lot of teams in this conference, way more than we typically have when we're breaking down these conferences and talking about the teams um, and in them. On to our key returning players. Before I hit on the first guy who is a huge name and incredibly talented, I have to say there is no Troy Anderson, the defensive player from Montana State, on this list. If you recall, folks, he had an injury that is going to prevent him from playing this next season, so he is redshirting. Anderson is very, very talented. He was on the Hero Sports 
preseason All-American team for 2020, but it just didn't make a lot of sense to me to put a guy on that's not even going to be playing. Next season, though, I can guarantee you Anderson will be on this list, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Our first player, however, Eastern Washington quarterback Eric Berrier, number three, six foot, 200 pounds. Last year, he rushed for 558 yards and eight touchdowns, and then his passing statistics were immaculate. 3,712 passing yards, 31 touchdowns, and then this remaining stat line is really where I get hung up and I go, oh my God, that is incredible. Only four interceptions despite throwing 300 sorry 438 passing attempts that's a lot of passing attempts to only throw four picks he was hovering around 60 percent completion percentage would like to see that get up a little bit higher but you got to talk about a guy that even if he's throwing incompletions he's still not forcing the ball in a turnover worthy spot that's really key for a quarterback and and not really being as trigger happy to force the ball as some other guys do that we see at this level. When I was able to evaluate Barrier, what I got away was that he's not super consistent with his accuracy, which is why I understand he was right at 59% completion percentage. His ball placement could be a little bit off. Sometimes he'll underthrow guys. But I think that when he does hit, he's very on point. It's right where it needs to be. But his biggest strength and where he excels is stretching the pocket and being elusive. He is easily one of the hardest guys to take down at the quarterback position at the FCS level, if not the hardest. And if you want proof of that, go to his Twitter account. Look him up, spelled B-A-R-R-I-E-R-E. Go to his Twitter account because you will find a wild play that he has pinned to the top. Hopefully it's still there, but he is very, very quick-footed, very good awareness in the pocket, not easy to track down at all as he is very good at finding ways to extend plays, move around, as well as throw off platform. I also saw him a couple times where he was rolling out to the left and the right, so he can do both things and still deliver the ball where it needs to be. So opposing defenses, good luck tackling Eric Berrier. First running back, Sacramento State running back, Elijah Dotson, six foot 190. His rushing stats aren't anything Two amazing, 742 yards, seven touchdowns, but this is the amazing part. 70 receptions, 702 receiving yards, and four touchdowns. That is awesome production for a a dual threat usage running back that he is not just a a pound the rock type running back despite being a little bit on the bigger side. He's he's slim, he's elusive. They run a lot of two-back gun formations where sometimes different running backs will go in motion, other players will go in motion, and that will create mismatches and opportunities for Elijah Dotson and some of the other backup running backs that they have. He is the perfect outlet player that you want to send in motion. They throw him these dump-offs, these swing passes. He'll grab the ball, and then he'll go upfield and find ways to pick up some extra yardage because he has the quick feet, he's got good hands, uh, exactly what you would hope for with a receiving back. And I think those are the types of traits that NFL teams will keep an eye out for considering the fact that NFL teams with backups will maybe you look for a guy or third stringers look for a guy that excels as a receiver. So you can have a player like Derrick Henry um, that is bigger and heavier or Ezekiel Elliott. And then you can use that change of pace of someone who's a threat on third down or on passing situations where you want to just get him the ball in space so he can pick up some yards and you know, he's going to make that grab another tall running back though. 
our second out of three that we have here, Montana running back Marcus Knight, six foot one, 194. Last season, 1,030 rushing yards, 23 rushing touchdowns to go along with four and a half yards per carry. He also had 34 receptions, 277 yards, and two touchdowns. Also worth noting, I thought this was awesome, saw that he had a 4.0 GPA listed on his bio. So an excellent uh, student in the classroom, not only excelling on the field, really tall, lean runner. I think exactly what you would expect with a, a 6'1 running back that's not overly heavy. He's got long strides. He accelerates very quickly for a taller back. No wasted steps or anything. I He never tries to resort to going east-west. Instead, he makes sure he stays forward, finds the rushing lane, goes north-south, picks up the yards that are given to him. He's not your running back that's going to try and dance around and then maybe potentially take a loss. No, he's he's very smart. He's got good awareness. He takes exactly what is given to him by his offensive line. Last running back, Weber State back Josh Davis. Five foot nine, one ninety-five. Previously, as a freshman, was voted as the top freshman in the country. This past year, he did have some injury issues. However, still rushed for 1,136 yards, 11 touchdowns, and saw an uptick in his yards per carry, 6.2. And what we see with Davis is that Weber State will tend to struggle if they don't have Josh Davis in the lineup, if they can't use him and they can't rely on him. There's some games where you could tell that they they were having a lot of troubles moving the ball because they weren't able to use Josh Davis as much as they would have hoped to. So Josh is going to be a huge, huge focal point for this offense next season for Weber State. Um, And he also still has two more years of eligibility remaining. So incredibly productive, incredibly talented running back. First and only receiver on our list today, wide receiver from Montana, Samori Toure, Six foot three, 190. He had a tear at the end of the season, 1,495 yards, 87 receptions, and 13 touchdowns. Really blew up. His previous years was a decent contributor, and then last year was when he really exploded, turning himself into arguably a draftable-type prospect, in my opinion. Good wiggle for a taller receiver, clean feet. I love watching his route running because you can tell that he is very precise. He's a technician. He puts the time in. I can tell that he is a guy that is very, very exact in what he wants to do with his steps and able to just create space enough to confuse a defense if they think he's going one way and create space on things as simple as a drag route and then take that upfield for as deep as a touchdown. So a really, really talented Um receiver who gets easily open on a consistent basis. I've got two offensive linemen here, and I did get quotes from Sean. I didn't want to to, deprave him from uh, getting the opportunity to talk about his offensive lineman. The first player, offensive tackle, Conlon Beaver, 6'5", 301. And Sean texted me. He says that Beaver has very good sync with his hands and his feet and works extremely well on combo blocks. Right after him was Weber State guard Ty Whitworth, six foot four, three hundred. And Sean told me that all Weber State running backs should be running behind Whitworth. He is a lane paver, good feet, and good hands. So a, a mauling type guard that is just going to 
open up rushing lanes perfectly for the talented group of running backs that Weber State has, particularly Josh Davis. On to the defensive side of the ball. First up, another Weber State player, defensive tackle, Jared Sheese, six foot three, 300 pounds, 55 tackles, 10 and a half tackles for loss and two and a half sacks in 2019. A uh, fun fact I found on here that he has one catch uh, in his career for 11 yards, but uh, a, a very talented defensive lineman, big bo- body guy, takes up space, fit well with the talented group of players that they had on their defensive line like Jonah Williams last year. He's a bit of an older guy. I, I believe from the bio it said that he took time to do uh, a you know, mission in another country uh, to, to help an underdeveloped country. So he spent a few years after, I believe, committing in 2014. So he's a bit on the older side, which is a great veteran presence on that defensive line. First linebacker, Montana linebacker, Jace Lewis. Six foot one, 230, produced 131 tackles, 12 tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, four passes defense, and two forced fumbles. And I look exact I, I look at Montana linebacker Jace Lewis and I, I think to myself, this is just a slightly shorter by two inches version of Dante Olson. It's like looking in a mirror on, on, on tape. They move the same. They're very aggressive. They're mean. They're downhill. They're just looking to smack people. That's what I get from Jace Lewis. The same thing that I loved about Dante Olson. Really aggressive. If, if he has his hands on you, he's trying to throw you. He's trying to body you. If you're not looking and he's coming to make a tackle on you, you better brace yourself in some way because he will put you into the ground very, very hard. And the other thing, too, that I think makes him so talented as a run defender is his ability to stack and shed really good pop. He's not afraid to get dirty with offensive linemen and to fight with them. Another linebacker, outside linebacker, Christian Ellis, number one, six foot three, 233. And interesting facts about Ellis that I found from his bio. He's the son of a former NFL All-Pro and also his father is the current Vandal defensive line coach, Luther Ellis. So he's got the connection. He's a coach's son, which is always a very positive sign in terms of football IQ. It's There's a reason why that's a cliche. There's a reason why people say, oh, he's a coach's son, because those kids typically spend a lot of time with their dads when they're younger, interested in, in learning more about football and watching film with them to the point where now he's playing under his, his dad, not at the same position. But I'm sure that when they go home, he probably sits and watches film with his dad. Uh, last season, though, 104 tackles, 12 and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks, one interception, and three passes defense. He is a huge dude. Like he looks bigger than 6'3, 233. He looks like on tape, like he's 6'4, 6'5, 250. He looks that big. Just a huge linebacker who attacks the line of scrimmage wherever they have him lined up. They'll line him up on the edge, they'll line him up off ball behind the. Uh, you know, kind of in a mic spot where they'll put him. And he's so big, so strong. He can pass rush if you need him to. Fights with guys, uh, very aggressive. But I, I just love his size, which makes him one of the guys on this list that is uh, an NFL prospect for this next offseason. Last linebacker, Montana State player, Amandre Williams, six foot two. 235, 65 tackles, 16 tackles for loss, and five sacks in 2019. 
he is a projected 3-4 outside linebacker. And what I mean by that is if you watch him play, he plays in a a two-point stance along the line of scrimmage, but he can drop in space. I've watched him cover. I saw him cover a little bit in the game I watched against uh, North Dakota State. So he has that skill set, even though he's not the fastest linebacker, but still very strong. His go-to is trying to use some form of a power move, so a club, a hard rip, or or just straight bull rushing offensive tackles. Got two more players left. Our one corner, Sacramento State cornerback Darren Bland, six foot two hundred. Last season, he had forty three tackles, six and a half tackles for loss, and two interceptions. Bland, another player that it seems like every week we always find these tall corners with really long arms and that use their length really, 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 really well. And I think Bland fits that mold perfectly. He's got long arms, like I said, tracks receivers downfield very well. Not overly handsy, but what I like to see is that once you get your flips, your hips flipped, keeping a hand on a receiver, playing right in his back pocket so you can't allow him to generate any separation. That just shows good length, good speed, good athleticism for a cornerback. Last guy on the list, a huge playmaker in the secondary, Montana safety, Robbie Hawk, the son of Montana head coach, Bobby Hawk, also the nephew of a former NFL defensive back and current NFL safeties coach. So he's got a huge lineage of coaching and also playing at the next level. Five foot 10, 185, not the biggest safety, but highly productive, 129 tackles, Five tackles for loss, three sacks, three pass defense, and one interception. So despite him not being very big, though, I noticed that he loves contact. He's not afraid to get his nose dirty, go make a play, attack a ball on a on a on a running play, and initiate contact in in one um one form or the other. He plays the run really, really field, uh, really, really well, comes downfield very quickly with good closeout speed. And like I talked with about with Ellis, I can tell that he's a coach's son. And I, one of the games that I watched, the broadcaster even brought up that you know he's a coach's son because he's so instinctive. His awareness is incredible. He analyzes things. He knows where the ball is going before it even gets there. And I see no hesitation. I see an instant reaction from his him as a safety. If he was a few inches taller, I think... NFL teams would be a lot more hung up on him. He still does have, I believe, a few more years of eligibility, but I love what he does. I think if he gets up closer to 200 pounds, he could actually be a draftable prospect because of that awareness that he brings to the table um, as a defensive back. There is no read today, but I'm going to cap off today's show with projecting my winner. And I think going off of all the stuff that I read off there, the easiest pick, the smartest pick, has to be Montana for me. And I know that Montana is always a reoccurring competitor in the big sky to contend for the the, the the top, and they finished third last year. I've got really good reasoning why I think that, and also good insight on why I think that they, they fit as the likely winner next year. So they lost Dante Olsen, Dalton Sneed, but you just see all of these guys coming back for them. They, they're returning their top running back, um, in Marcus Knight, Samori Toure makes me extremely excited for their passing offense. And then I love that you're getting back Robbie Hawk as well as 
Chase Lewis. The other thing too, besides the fact that you're getting all these all-American quality players back, take a look at the teams that finished above them and around them. Weber State lost their quarterback, Jake Constantine, who's transferring to Towson. You don't know for sure how healthy you're going to have Josh Davis for the full season. Sacramento State just lost their starting quarterback. I think they're still going to compete for the top, but your quarterback decides he's transferring in June. Doesn't give you a lot of time to figure that out. And right now there's going to be issues with having proper amount of time to prepare for the season because of COVID-19. So you're scrambling right now to find a quarterback. Kevin Thompson's gone. I think that's a terrible situation to try and figure out right now with the situation of everything. And if you're a Sacramento State fan, I'm not saying you need to freak out and be worried. I think that Sacramento State is competitive enough and talented enough to at least finish top five, still can compete for a playoff spot, but they're not going to be the same team they were last year. That is a huge loss. Thompson was one of the best players in the country last year, so you got to be very wary of of seeing how that impacts things for them. If you also just look at some of these other um, other teams here, Montana State, Eastern Washington, I think if Barry A can, can really lead that offense, if they can win early games instead of falling off, because apparently just doing really well in your conference is not enough uh, with the, the competitive schedules that they, they typically have every single year. That's going to be really, really, really key to follow. And lastly, I, I can see Idaho pushing their way up a little bit more. They made that move down from the FBS a few years ago. I'm still higher on them than I think most people are. They're not going to win the conference, but I can see potential for them to sneak their way up to top three, top four, but doing better than a five and second uh, seven record. They're not going to finish below 500 this next year. I'm, I'm a lot more confident in this Idaho Vandal team uh, than I have been previously. Well, folks, that's going to be it for me. Uh, thank you for tuning in and bearing with me through the solo show of the FCS football podcast. Sean will be back next week. Hopefully he is healthy and recovered from his uh, his his illness. Wishing you uh, that you get a speedy recovery, Sean, if you actually tune in and listen. Be sure to follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon. And you can follow Sean at Sanderson Radio. Also, head over to Believe Podcasts on social media. Uh, that's at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts on Instagram and Twitter. Check out their website as well, Believe.com, spelled B-L-E-A-V dot com. In addition to that, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Art19, you name it. We are there wherever podcasts are available. We are there. And if you can't find us on the your go-to source, please let us know and we can help fix that. Also, if you have some time, and you like the show, I really fully encourage you to leave um, a review on the show because, you know, the way that the podcasting industry works, it's like with restaurants. You could have hundreds of people come in and enjoy the food, but all it takes is one person to leave a bad review. And we, we don't have a lot of bad reviews. We've got very good ratings. But if you like the show and you're a consistent listener, I fully encourage you to, to at least just give us a, a review. Don't have to give us any feedback. Just put a star rating in if you really, really like the show. You don't have to give us a five. If you want to give us a four, anything, I just encourage you, if you're a reoccurring listener, please give us a little bit of feedback um, because that really means a lot hearing positive things. It really means a lot that you point out if you really like we do one thing or the other because then that way we'll focus on those things and 
get even better at that instead of being hung up on on <laughs> potentially uh, negative comments. Well, that's going to be it for me. Next conference is going to be the Missouri Valley This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.